Anger or wrath is an intense emotional response, according to Wikipedia. It is an emotion that involves a strong, uncomfortable, and hostile response to a perceived provocation, hurt, or threat. Anger can occur when a person feels their personal boundaries are being or are going to be violated. Some have a learned tendency to react to anger through retaliation as a way of coping. So, uh, different definitions of anger could mean anything from anger as an emotional reaction that impacts the body. Uh, The external expression of anger can be found in facial expressions, body language, uh, physiological responses, and at times, public acts of aggression. So, in light of this, um, what do you want to... Because I know we kind of hear, you know, all the bad, you know, commonalities of anger in our world today. So, what new thing can you present to the table, Mom, about you know, the subject of anger when it comes to where it originated from. Um, and even like in the Bible, a lot of things or a lot of the time people don't notice or talk about is what is God's place in the attitude of anger? Because there is a righteous indignation that the Bible talks about that, that not a lot of people address. Um, so what is the proper use compared to the abuse of anger that we see a lot of in the world today. Anger is an emotion. We recognize that it is an emotion. And you may want to ask the question, well, um, did God give us that emotion? And for what reason? And where does anger come from? So, you know, in the book of Genesis, when you go back into Genesis, it says that God... He created us in his image. And the question is, if we're created in his image, do we have the right to get angry? So you may ask the question, does God get angry? And can you think of anywhere in God's word where God demonstrated this anger, this emotion of anger? I think a good example of that is you notice in the beginning of the definition that I read here, you said it correctly, that anger is an emotion, but on top of an emotion, it says an intense emotional response. So what is a response? A response is an answer to something that has occurred externally, and you're giving an internal uh, response that is rooted internally, but then exercise externally, as a response to something that has been done to you externally, so, or even internally. So, because of that, God is actually a response of his can be described as anger. So, in other words, once something displeases the heart of God, like when the Israelites built the golden calf, um, well, it provoked not only God to anger that he... You know, he was disappointed at the people that he was trying to be the leader of, but also it provoked Moses to anger to break the the tablets of the Ten Commandments, which God had put in place as the law. It also provoked God to anger at one point when the Israelites were caught in sin to send snakes upon them um, to, you know, when they were caught in the sin of complaining and when God felt underappreciated that oh, we don't have as much food as we have in Egypt, then 
he rained down on them the same type of bread, uh, manna from heaven, so much of it to stuff their mouth that if they did not contain all of it within the day's period, it will be sucked up by insects or bugs by the evening time or the next day. So in other words, um, anger is something that has to be provoked. Um, if you're not born with anger, you're not, uh, you know, it's not a normal, how should I say? It's not a normal everyday attitude. It has to be provoked by something in order to be engaged. So what do you think about that? That is true, son. And I find in the Old Testament, we find many instances where God demonstrates this anger. But for the most part, every time we see this, it's due to rebellion. Whenever God's people rebelled or, you know, um, chose not to follow the instructions that would lead them to life because we don't want to get a, a picture that God is an angry God. God is a loving God. And the New Testament tells us that, you know, he demonstrated that love when he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross to save, you know, whosoever will on this earth. And greater love have no man than to lay down his life for us. So, you know, we don't want to picture Father God as a God in heaven just ready to pounce on you whenever you make a mistake. However, God demonstrates anger. And in, in, even in the book of Psalms 7, chapter 7, verse 11, it says, God is angry with the wicked every day. So, you know, the things that make God sad are the things that ought to make us sad. Uh, we ought to be angry uh, with the things that God is angry about. But one of the things is that anger is a very real struggle and challenge, not only um, back in the Old Testament, but even today. And the reason I, I chose this subject is that even as believers and Christians, we get angry. You know, if we're going to speak the truth and if we're going to be real, we have to confess that many times we have lost our patience or, you know, raised our voice and become angry. But as you said before, it's uh, the most important thing is how do we respond when we become emotionally upset over something, you know, the response really is what God looks at. And um, there are numerous occasions when Jesus himself demonstrated anger, like for instance in, in the book of Mark, which you have there. What is one of those occasions? Joseph? Mark chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6, I'm reading from the message translation. Then he went back in the meeting place where he found a man with a crippled hand. The Pharisees had their eyes on Jesus to see if he would heal, heal him, hoping to catch him in a Sabbath infraction. He said to the man with the crippled hand, Stand here where we can see you. Then he spoke to the people, What kind of action suits the Sabbath best? Doing good or doing evil? Helping people or leaving them helpless? No one said a word. He looked them in the eye one after another, angry now, furious at their hard-nosed hard religion. 
He said to the man, Hold out your hand. He held it out. It was as good as new. The Pharisees got out as fast as they could, sputtering about how they would join forces with Herod's followers and ruin him. So I know the, the main one you wanted to focus on was verse 5, which is he looked them in the eye, one after another, exactly. angry now, furious at their hard-nosed religion. That's an interesting term there, right? At their hard-nosed religion. So, you know, when it comes to religion and legalism and, uh, you know, when we try to bring people back under the law, which God has set us free from, uh, Jesus, you know, he, he, he gets angry at those things because his very purpose for coming was to set us free from the penalty of the law. You know, he came so that we would experience his grace and his mercy. And so when we look at uh, Jesus demonstrating the anger here, it's the religious folks that, you know, were looking more towards the law than towards this man that needed to be healed. And he goes back to reminding, really, he's reminding the people it is more important to demonstrate compassion um, and, you know, what is needed at the moment. If a, if a person needs healing, then we ought to be able to demonstrate through prayer, through the power of the laying on of hands, that healing. And uh, not to be concerned about it's a Sabbath day and, you know, rules and regulations. So... Is God, um, God is concerned. He's concerned about justice, righteousness, and anger is an emotion that, you know, that arises when, as you said before, when we encounter what we perceive to be wrong. So the Lord Jesus was demonstrating through healing this man that it was more important to meet the need and the condition of that particular soul than to, you know, bring out the rules and the regulations. Um, because Jesus, uh, even though Jesus did not break the law, he still understood the heart, the, the Father God's heart, which is to do good and not evil. So, um, can you remember, or can you, anybody listening, can you remember the last time you got angry, and what made you get angry? Um, I think the last time I got angry was, I think, something that every husband goes through, which is, you know, whenever your wife is impatient about something, or, you know, uh, responds to you in a way where you don't really know what you did, but there's these feelings of uh, that, per like a perception of you're being selfish and you don't really realize what you're doing that's selfish. Um, I guess that was the last time <laughs> I was angry. Um, I don't know if you want to share with the audience the last time you were angry or... <laughs> it's interesting because uh, you, are, you are newlyweds and you've been married a few years and you're now understanding that, you know, this emotion is, is really a part of life and that 
God expects us to bring that anger under control. And yes, um, my husband and I, Christopher Selena, we've been married 35 years, just celebrated uh, November 25th on Thanksgiving Day 2017. And we've had a... a amazing journey together but not without our challenges and um, yes I, I I've get I got angry um, he's gotten angry we've argued we've raised our voices but by the grace of God we've never lifted a hand in rage or you know to each other or to hit each other in that kind of way, we've always controlled our emotions that way. Uh, raising our voice is not always the best, uh, especially if you have close neighbors that might, you know, hear you raising your voice. It's not a very good uh, demonstration of one who follows Christ. So we've had to repent and we've always come to that place of asking for forgiveness. So, you know, the Bible tells us that greater is he that controls his anger than he that takes a city. So, um, to me, uh, especially in my life, being able to control anger is, it's been a challenge and a process and a growing experience. Because um, I remember before Christ, you know, I was, a, I was 21 when I surrendered really to the Lord. I remember I used to get fits of anger. You know, like when you see a little child get what we call temper tantrums, and they start kicking and screaming and raising their voice. Even you didn't teach them, but it just, like, it comes naturally. And so it, it becomes a habit. It becomes a habit. And so we need to really uh, deal with those habits with God's Word and with the Holy Spirit's help, we can bring those emotions under control and control control the anger. Because anger can be a really um, devastating thing. We have heard situations where, well, one particular story that we know of a personal friend whose parents were separated. And, and this particular time, the father... Uh, the mother, uh, who still had compassion for the father, went to, to visit him. And uh, as she was bringing food, they got into a bit of a disagreement or argument. And as she was about to leave, he picked up what they call uh, in the islands a machete. And he just, with the back of it, as she was getting ready to walk out, he hit her on the back of the head. And that was it. He just, it, she was dead. And then he was so devastated that he drank poison. So this precious friend of ours, Pastor Fernando, bury both his parents. And it all uh, started because of ang one moment of anger can cause, especially uncontrolled, let me, let me re-edify, uncontrolled anger can cause the most devastating tragedy within a family or a household that you can regret for the rest of your life. That's why it's so important that we ask God to help us 
to be patient, to help us demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, and to be able to, to control that anger. What do you say, Josiah? Absolutely. I think um, as we close off, it's very important to uh, differentiate the different elements of anger. But before we get into that, um, since we, were, we wanted to mention you know, the origin of anger, we know that the very first act of anger known, uh, known to man through historical terms or spiritually historical terms as far as we know is the act of Lucifer being kicked out of heaven uh, because of his pride. Um, it angered God that, um, that Lucifer was dissatisfied with his position uh, as appointed the head of the chief of music in heaven and that he wanted to be like the Most High. It angered God that an angel he had, you know, created was willing to take his place or be like unto him. Exactly. Um, and then the original act of anger uh, that men got to witness was in the garden with Adam and Eve. Um, not only was there disappointment in God of the expectations he had for Adam and Eve, but there was anger towards the serpent for deceiving them, which in, in turn made the prophecy possible for Jesus to come. Now, of course, the anger that ended in the most tragic of way after that was the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, where jealousy kicked in, yes. and Cain ended up murdering his own brother. So uh, I think it's important to differentiate the different elements of anger. We've already discussed anger. So I just felt led, hopefully if it's not too much off topic for you, uh, to look up and quickly read some of the definitions of these other forms. I mentioned disappointment, like how God was in Adam and Eve when they took a bite of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Disappointment is the feeling of dissatisfaction that follows the failure of expectations or hopes to manifest, meaning that God was dissatisfied with the state of man in that act because he expected that they would avoid what he told them specifically not to partake of. Um, so that was a feeling of disappointment that caused God to respond and anger. And at the same time, it was anger and grace because God could have murdered mankind right then and there. But his anger came with a form of self-control which allowed man a second chance and turned his anger towards the root, which was Satan, the root of the problem. So whenever we are angry, we must not get angry at the person, as God has showed us an example of, but at the human being that is fallible to mistakes. So we must get angry at the root of the problem, Satan, that has caused the human to respond in an unself controlled way or or a, an uncontrolled way i should say then there's also resentment resentment is a mixture of disappointment anger and fear it comprises the three basic emotions of disgust sadness and surprise it's the perception of injustice now before i get to that the word perception means the organizing organization identification an interpretation of sensory information in order to represent and understand the presented information or the environment. We see a lot of this happening today. 
with all these people getting angry over their differences in political beliefs or their differences in religious beliefs or even in opinions. And then this carries with it a feeling of resentment because it says here resentment is the perception of injustice is, is the root. Meaning because this person perceives in their mind, uh, based on the information they've been given, that's how you get perception. They perceive in their mind that this other person is wrong and deserves to be attacked or in some worst cases anger violently attacked because of their difference of opinion because of the information they've been given then that leads to resentment which leads to anger which leads to uncontrollable acts of violence or you know rage or behavior that are spontaneous so we need to watch the information we're given because if we're careful with the information we're given and we respond with a spirit of self-control that is the only justified anger that we can exercise as righteous indignation. Anything that is not properly informed, wrongfully perceived, or has a spirit of uh, resentment, bitterness, or unrighteous anger behind it is, is, is a sin. And then, and then finally, to my last point here would be um, another thing that provokes anger is jealousy. Yes. Jealousy is an emotion. The term generally refers to the thoughts or feelings of insecurity, fear, concern, or envy over relative lack of possessions, status, or something of, or someone of, I'm adding the term someone, of great personal value, which means that we read in the Bible that God is a jealous God. A lot of people don't understand this. It says here, relative lack of possession, meaning... Whenever God has the sense that he no longer owns you and someone else or something else owns you, that provokes him to anger because it disrespects the unconditional love beyond any human love you can experience that God has for you. So God is angry when he feels that a person is not receptive of the crucifixion and the resurrection and the precious bloodshed of his love shed for that person. And that provokes him to jealousy. So he will act out of anger, righteous indignation towards those who refuse when it comes to Judgment Day. One of the things I was just um, thinking about is that that we do, if we admit, um, we have a problem with anger. It's amazing how the believers, many Christians, they do not want to admit that they have a problem with anger because you know most people have this persona that once you're saved you're filled with the holy spirit and you know um that god made all things new that you no longer have to you know you have this control but everything from the time god we were born again because he says we have become a new creation he says, the old has passed away, the new has come. So that old man is really passing away, but it doesn't happen like instantly the moment you are saved. It's uh, the Holy Spirit now begins to show you the areas in your life where this anger issues that, you know, come from, like you mentioned, insecurity and jealousy and envy and different things, you know, maybe 
um, unforgiveness is a big one. You were hurt by someone as a child or when you were younger. Uh, you were you felt betrayed by a friend who you know said that they will always be by your side and suddenly when you needed them the most they were not there and you felt betrayed. Um, there are different reasons. Maybe you felt uh, falsely accused and people believed some rumor that was not true and uh, instead of coming to you for the facts you know they just began to gossip and you know they hurt you so you're still you still may be offended and you know even the spirit of offense leads to to anger that's why the bible tells us that you know offenses will come but um we need to be in that place where god has given us peace uh, and he says, perfect peace have they that love the Lord and nothing shall offend them. Uh, so we have to keep reminding ourselves that the peace of God helps us to overcome these things like anger, jealousy, even fear or whatever natural emotions in life that are negative that bring about this anger. But it's important that we recognize and acknowledge that we have a problem if we're going to, you know, fix, if God is going to help us fix it, um, overcome it, then we must acknowledge it. It's just like an alcoholic, um, you know, if he doesn't acknowledge that he has a problem with alcohol, then he's going to forever think that, you know, oh, I'm just a social drinker, um, or even a drug addict. So you have to acknowledge that you, and you ever notice that there are certain people that get easily angered, and then there are others that are able to control the, the anger. And um, many times is is sometimes we just have to hold our peace. We just have to bite our tongue. And sometimes uh, God will purposely cause us to bite our tongue, you know, literally. Um, just to keep us uh, from saying anything. So it's important when, when we do feel upset that we hold our peace and listen to how God wants us to respond to that moment. Uh, very few adults have learned how to control anger. Uh, most of them follow the example of their parents, right? We hear shouting. I know in my home in particular, I grew up in a home where you know, it was dysfunction, and, and my dad had a heavy alcohol problem, and, and there was always bickering and fighting and yelling. Um, and although I, I just hated, you know, whenever I, anybody would raise their voice or, or talk loud, it would take me back to that time of screaming and yelling, and it would get me very upset. But I, what I didn't realize that the enemy was trying to stir up, you know, that anger in me. Um, so, you know, it's important that we learn, well, we need to learn how to restrain when there's an initial response to anger. Even King Solomon wisely wrote, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold back. So if we want to be wise, we need to hold back. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. Uh, short-tempered people do foolish things, said, um, in the, in the Proverbs. So most of us, if we are honest, and if you know we have experience being angry, saying or doing things that we know were not right in, in God's sight, 
we just need to, uh, you know, be real, uh, say, yes, I have God, I have an, I got angry, help me, Lord, I don't want to get angry like this, I need your help, and if you do it continually, it, it will come to a point where more and more you'll be able to control. So many of us still live, we live in regret of the red-hot words that spewed out like a, like a lava volcano, you know, that we said to somebody. And the thing is that the words, once they're spoken, you can't take them back. Once they've, you know, they've affected, you, you can't take those words back. It's like those shooting arrows that go out. So I want to end, um, just finish with this saying that a famous leader in Britain once, once said, his name was Winston Churchill, and he says, a man or a woman is about as big as the things that make him angry. So, you know, that is very important. Uh, are you about as big as the things that make you angry, or are you able to overcome, to be an overcomer? Um, what is God's purpose in human anger? I, I'm just asking that question, and I want you all to think, what is God's purpose in, in human anger? Well, one of his purposes is that anger is designed, now listen carefully, anger is designed to motivate us to take positive action against injustice. The last thought I wanted to leave our audience with is that because God was the first person to exercise out of act, well, not first person, the first being to exercise an act of anger, like be, this in this case being against Lucifer. This means that anger inherently in and of itself is neutral, which means that because anger is designated in the dictionary as a response, it means that when you have I love what Winston Churchill said about your big is what angers you because if little things of less value anger you, that makes you less valuable or your opinions that you're fighting for are less valuable. If the things that make you angry are of high importance, that makes your opinions or your statements on that subject of high importance, which means that when God gets angry, he is using that neutral state as a feeling for righteous indignation. He is not using it as an excuse to sin because, um, I'll put it this way. If sin angers you, then that is righteous indignation. If righteousness angers you, then you are the problem. Because when it comes to righteousness anger you, this shows what side you're on. In other words, anger is set as a t should be used as a tool to divide right from wrong. When anger is used as a tool to divide right from wrong, then we really see how it can be used for great effect. And then beyond that, uh, like the, the Bible said about the wise hold back, it didn't say the wise do not get angry. It says the wise hold back, which means the only appropriate way to exercise anger is down, comes down to these two points, righteous indignation and exercising it with restraint. Whenever anger is exercised without restraint, it becomes a problem. Anger can only be exercised with restraint for a righteous and dignitative cause.
So our prayer for you today is that whenever you feel angry, we pray that it will be by the motivation of the Holy Spirit to get out there and do something to address a sin problem. But if any time you are feeling angry and you have no self-control, no advisory by the Holy Spirit, or you're acting in anger out of something that is either neutral or that God defines as righteous, then you are the problem and you need to check yourself. So we thank you for listening today and we bless you with the love of the Lord. We thank you for tuning in to Unadulterated, where the truth is never underrated. Uh, Give a final goodbye to our audience, Mama Joanna, and then uh, we are out of here. God bless. Thank you, son. It was a pleasure being with you today. And my prayer and hope is that those of you who are listening, um, that, you know, don't allow condemnation, the enemy to bring condemnation. God understands that all of us uh, do get angry. But, you know, uh, the challenge is, according to Ephesians 4.26, if we get angry, that we sin not. So, you know, we need to ask God to help us um, with these emotions that when they do manifest, that we quickly take captive, you know, the thoughts in our mind, quickly look to Him so that we might not make a fool of ourselves because if you notice, short-tempered people do foolish things. So um, temper is a big thing. And may God just help us uh, to control our temper and our anger. And uh, as things and challenges come in the future, may our anger be always against injustice and those things that God hates. God bless you. Amen. As Mother Joanna said, do not feel condemned for feeling angry. But when you are angry, make sure your response is supernaturally invoked and not unnaturally presumed upon. Make sure you have righteous indignation towards what God hates. God bless.